but it just goes to show that it can affect, you know, so many different people in so many different ways. You know, guys uh, our age that are, you know, young and healthy, we may not have symptoms. And perhaps the biggest danger from our side is actually being asymptomatic and going to the hospital and spreading this virus now to uh, hundreds of other people that are more vulnerable than we are. Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, Jake Nichols. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Neurosurgery Podcast, another entry in our series covering the coronavirus uh, crisis here in the United States and around the world. Today, we are very fortunate and honored to have with us a young physician, a resident at an institution here in the United States, um, who tested positive for the coronavirus recently and has been at home, out of work, in isolation because of this. Now, I'll say up front, he's doing fine. Um, you'll hear from him directly that, you know, clinically, medically, he's, he's doing just fine. But because we don't know the long-term implications of this diagnosis and to protect his privacy and to protect those around him, um, he's decided to do this interview anonymously. So we're not going to identify his name, his location in the country, even his specialty. But I think all of us here at the show and our listeners around the world um, will benefit greatly from hearing from him and his experiences. And we're all very grateful that uh, he's choosing to come and share those insights with us. So, doctor, welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. So start it off for us, I guess. Um, just tell us in general what your experience has been like from the beginning of this COVID crisis this year leading up to... Uh, the, the day that you yourself were exposed and, and how you found out. Yeah, so, you know, over the last couple of weeks or so, you know, our hospital, like many other hospitals, has been uh, completely inundated by a lot of uh, patients that either have tested positive or, you know, rule out uh, COVID. And, you know, like many other residents out there, you know, we, you know, we're, we're the front lines in terms of taking care of all these people. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, a lot of residents, you know, across the country have been exposed and, you know, like them, I was, you know, asymptomatic until about a week ago, I noticed that, you know, I had a fever um, and it was, uh, you know, the day after that, I, you know, had a very mild cough. You know, I was very fortunate in that my symptoms were a lot more mild than, you know, what you see on TV and what all these other people are going through. Uh, They're currently hospitalized. So I spoke to one of my uh, co-residents. Yeah, I, I was initially planning on just, you know, gonna, I was going to, you know, shake it off, go back to work. But he said, no, you know, just given that everything's going around, let's just go get you tested just to make sure. Uh, so my program director echoed that sentiment. So, you know, I went to get tested. I, the whole time I was 100% sure, you know, I was completely fine. There was nothing wrong. And of course, when the test result came back positive, I was a little surprised. I think it surprised uh, most people in our program. Uh, and so that's, that's sort of been it. And, you know, over the last week or so I've been, I've been at home, 
Uh, been doing completely fine. The cough is pretty much gone now. Uh, now at this point, just in isolation to make sure I don't spread it to anyone in the hospital or outside the hospital. And doctor, can I ask you, like, when you got tested, how long did it take to get those results back? And and what was going through your mind? Because there is a little bit of delay, right? We don't we don't have those rapid tests yet. What's going through your mind? What's your state of mind uh, at, you know, with all of this? Right, absolutely. So uh, I got tested about a week ago, and that was at the time that they were trying to transition over from this lengthy uh, report period. Mine actually took about four days to come back. And a couple of my colleagues I know that got tested have gotten their results within 24 to 48 hours now. Um, so I was actually, I think, the first one in my specific specialty in this department to get tested. Um, but I know that, you know, people in the other departments have, you know, gotten tested before and their tests likewise took, you know, up to four days or so. Uh, and I mean, the whole time, at least what was going through my head, uh, you know, at least me having very mild symptoms, you know, I was just thinking this is definitely not COVID, uh, you know, based on what you'd see on TV and based on what you see other people in the hospital going through, this has to be something else, but it just goes to show that it can affect, you know, so many different people in so many different ways. You know, guys, uh, our age that are, you know, young and healthy, we may not have symptoms and perhaps the biggest danger from our side is actually being asymptomatic and going to the hospital and spreading this virus now to uh, hundreds of other people that are more vulnerable than we are. Uh, and I think that highlights the importance of, uh, this rapid test that they've now instituted, uh, at least to, you know, get results at a faster time and spend more time in isolation, make sure you don't spread to anyone else. You know, I, I can't obviously speak to what you're going through um, from the patient side of things, but certainly in the past few weeks here at Rush, we've had uh, stark reductions in our personnel, um, trying to limit the amount of individuals in our department that could be potentially exposed to any positive patient. And so my own work hours in the past week, week and a half have been substantially reduced, again, because they're just trying to, to keep the infectious potential to a minimum within our department. So I can somewhat empathize with what you must be going through at home. Um, I've been feeling sidelined here. I want to contribute more. I miss you know taking care of patients each day, and, and we're all less busy uh, because of you know case volume reduction. So how are you coping with being at home? How are you passing the time? And, you know, are you are you still able to contribute within your department in any way remotely? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, something that we recently instituted was uh, uh, like this tele telehealth telemedicine uh, platform for clinic visits, at least. So it's still, you know, in its infancy. Uh, we haven't really played it out to see how much residents can do from home. Um, but, you know, that is something that we should be able to contribute uh, to at least, uh, you know, while quarantined, while at home. Our department has been very good, and within our residents, we've been very good about uh, giving people one week off at a time, so that way you actually limit the exposure of people that go into the hospital. So at any given time, a third of our residents are actually at home, not in the hospital, not being exposed. And what that does, even if it doesn't directly decrease exposure, what it does is if, you know, someone's taken out of the uh, rotation like I am, it gives us more flexibility to go put someone, you know, back in there because now we do have that flexibility to sort of adjust to these uh, changing circumstances. And I think probably one of the most painful things, at least for me, is, you know, having to be at home and watching my co-residents, you know, pick up the slack for me. I mean, they've been absolutely great. None of them have been, you know, have complained at all. They've all been very happy to do it, which I think probably makes it harder on me because, you know, you're seeing 
your co-residents sort of, you know, go through a week or two weeks, you know, doing your job and not complaining to you, you know, completely, you know, they've been picking up the pieces completely fine. So I really appreciate them. And, you know, it's probably a testament to, you know, our, uh, our residency program as a whole and how we really have each other's backs. So doctor, can I ask you, currently you're being sequestered, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's the process in place right now to say when it's a good time for you to go back to work? I know this is still fluid. I know that protocols are being developed, but at the current time, how do they determine? Is it, a, is it a period of time? Is it a second test, another set of swabs? How are they doing that? Yeah, so I called the, uh, the employee health return to work uh, unit at our hospital yesterday. And what they had told me was you have to wait a total of two weeks. Um, and the last three days of those two weeks, you definitely have to be asymptomatic. And after, after those two weeks, you go back. And I think they just check your temperature, just make sure you're asymptomatic. They don't give you a repeat test from my understanding. They just make sure you're truly asymptomatic and then you you return to work. Uh, they haven't told me yet about what the guidelines are in terms of wearing a, whether you're required to wear a mask or not wear a mask. But I know as of today, uh, our hospital just made everyone, whether they are asymptomatic, not symptomatic, whether they're doctors, visitors, actually have to wear a yellow mask when they step into the hospital. So I'm sure there are going to be similar restrictions in place for us when we go back. So do you have a plan in place for when you do return? Is it going to be a, a seamless jump right back into the normal rotation? Or um, I, I guess is is your department there on an unusual schedule for the uh, the virus as it is? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, we're on that rotation schedule now where, uh, you know, one person is out from each class at any given time. So I think when I start back up, you know, I'll just go in and, you know, take the place of whatever co-resident, you know, is uh, covering for me at that moment. Um, and, you know, right now I am on, you know, my own service. So, you know, I'm the junior on service responsible for managing those patients. So I think it'll be a little easier for me because I know, I know the service, I know the patients, I know to you know, hop right back in and, and pick up where I left off. With, without uh, localizing where you are um, in the country and, and so not getting into, you know, the, the city where you live and how bad or good things are there, how are you passing the time at home? Are you able to, you know, leave your house and get to the store or are you fully on a, on a lockdown at home? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, so I was I was instructed just to you know completely stay at home, don't go out of the apartment building, and if you need groceries delivered, just to have those delivered uh, to you. Um, but in terms of passing the time, it you know actually surprisingly hasn't been that bad. Um, you know, I know JP like when we started initially, if someone had told us that we'd have two weeks where we were actually forbidden from doing work, forbidden from going to the hospital, we would have you know found it pretty hilarious. But you know these you know, two weeks right now, I can't, regardless of whether I want to, I can't actually do any hospital work. So it's really given me the time to do research, you know, work out at least here in my own apartment. So doctor, can I uh, ask you, before you tested positive, was there a time or situation where you think you may have been exposed? Was there any more obvious situation? For example, were you taking care of positive patients? Were you working in the ICU? Or was this, did this completely take you by surprise? Yeah, so when I initially tested positive, uh, you know, myself and a few of my other residents had a few patients on our census that were rule out COVID. Uh, and we had pretty high suspicion that I got it from one of those patients. Um, but, you know, they eventually all got tested. And my co-residents, who I spent the most time with, 
you know, the previous week also got tested and everything came back negative. So we were kind of at a loss in terms of, you know, tracing back to figure out who, who it was. You know, we, we really couldn't figure that out. Um, so right now, you know, we, we, we looked, but ultimately we couldn't find the answer. So we just sort of let it go. But as of right now, we have no idea where, you know, where I got that exposure from. It was probably somewhere uh, in the emergency department or, you know, in one of the ICUs. After, after I tested positive, I got a call from risk management at my hospital. And they, uh, you know, they tried to do something similar where they uh, asked me where I had been over the previous week. And they quickly realized it was useless because you know, as a junior resident, you're everywhere. You're in the emergency department, you're in the ICU, you're on the floors. And, you know, she herself had told me, you know, it's, it's, pretty tough to trace back where you got it from because you saw so many different people, uh, you saw so many different consults. So it's, it's, you know, a little tough to say where exactly you picked it up, especially if no one that you've been in contact with has tested positive for it. You know, a lot of our listeners um, working in hospitals themselves, I'm sure are worried about um, being exposed depending on their city and on their hospital system. There are shortages of PPE that's raising everyone's concerns and Many of us are, you know, as were you on, on the front lines with this. Can you, can you speak at all to our listeners and, and those who may have concerns about possible exposure or may have family members or friends who, who are themselves uh, dealing with this disease just as, as someone who has tested positive themselves? Yeah, so, uh, you know, for anyone who has tested positive or, uh, you know, for families that have tested positive, I think the most important thing is to just remain in quarantine because the last thing that you want to do is spread it to your family or your friends, you know, by being reckless and by, you know, going out uh, and doing those sorts of things. Um, the other thing is, you know, definitely seek medical help if you feel like your condition is worsening. That was something that was told to me by my program director, by other residents. Uh, the the course of this disease is just so unpredictable. Some people are completely fine and other people end up being intubated and fortunately passing away. So definitely stay on high alert uh, with your symptoms and your loved one's symptoms and make sure that overall there's an upward trend uh, with uh, with your overall health. So it's a very interesting thing that they're, they're not planning to test you for immunity. I would suspect that a proper thing to do would be to test you for antibodies when that becomes available and to know that you're immune and then you potentially be at less risk, right, uh, right. to treat patients who are COVID positive. Is there any discussion about that now? Uh, not right now. I'm not sure if the hospital that we're at specifically has those capabilities, but I'm sure um, once they do, you know, have the have the widespread availability to test people for antibodies, you know, that's definitely something I'd be more than happy to do to make sure I have immunity. And I know that there are several studies that, uh, out there that look at uh, taking, you know, the blood from patients that have recovered from COVID and using it to develop a treatment for people that are, you know, at risk or uh, having a worse course of symptoms. Uh, so hopefully as, you know, in the near future, as that becomes more available, that's something that, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to participate in. Moving forward, as this continues to evolve in the nation and, and more and more healthcare workers become affected, as, as do other patients in the country, do you foresee this, you know, significantly impacting your ability to engage in care? I mean, obviously you've had a very mild course, but one of the big concerns is as more and more healthcare workers are affected, we we lose our complement of physicians, of nurses in the country. So, in your department, as more and more people are affected, has it reduced the complement of avail of available physicians and and do you think it's 
you know, limiting the amount of uh, healthcare workers available to care for patients in the hospital? Yeah, I definitely think it certainly has. Uh, you know, so at least with our specific residency, we have about you know six or so junior residents that are sort of responsible for handling all of the floor work uh, and making sure uh, everything runs smoothly on the floors and in the ICU and in the perioperative period. Uh, and you know, even taking one of us out because you know we have the virus significantly diminishes our you know our overall workforce in terms of that. Uh, and as I mentioned before, the call schedule is set up such that there's only one resident in-house at any given time now, as opposed to the three or four that used to be during the daytime. Uh, the other thing that's changed a lot about the way we uh, run our services, the way we see consults as well, actually. So, you know, I'm sure you know, JP, you know, you get consults a lot about uh, sort of non-issues, you know, things that may be incidental findings on CT, MRI scans that you have to now see just because the consult was placed. Uh, and the way our department changed that is we now handle all of those over the phone. Uh, I talked to a couple of my friends at other NC programs throughout the country too, and even, even programs like psychiatry are now handling a lot of the consult volumes over the phone for cases that, you know, may not be critical. Um, so that's another change that I've seen in terms of the way uh, that, you know, we've begun to handle uh, our services uh, with this whole COVID crisis becoming worse. Well, doctor, we appreciate you coming on this podcast. I know it's not difficult. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult situation, I should say, where you're faced with uh, your own health condition and then this national and international crisis. It's uh, very encouraging to hear that you're doing well and we wish you a speedy recovery. Please keep us updated on your progress, and um, and you know I, I wish that uh, all residents would share your attitude, which is to try to do what's right for our patients and be at the front lines. Thank you, Dr. Wang. Thank you, JP. Um, and while everyone's at home right now, you know we should all try to check out the neurosurgery podcast as much as possible. It's uh, you know I think they're now episodes being released twice a week, and it's a great way to stay informed during the time of this crisis. 